Sketch Roll Podcast. <laughs> Podcasting from the warehouse. Welcome to the warehouse. Yeah, episode eight of the podcast. How you doing? Doing great, Rich Roll. Chai Seed. Thanks Julie for having Pye. me back. Yeah, it's good to be back. Uh, it's been a week. We got to do, I think we need to up it up to like two a week. Three what a happened? Week. What happened to the schedule? Life happened. It's busy. But you know what? I'm really excited because we've got... A wonderful, exciting guest today joining us. Who's that? The amazing goddess, Gabrielle Reese. Hi, you guys. Hey, Gabby. It's, it's really interesting to watch the interaction between the husband and wife team. That was just kind of fun just to sit back. Wait till we, wait till we start I arguing. Till we get going. I know the kids are like, um, yeah, you have no idea. I know. Just for the listener out there, we have Tyler manning the audio levels and my nephew Harrison here. They're our producers. It's a family affair. And Absolutely. Julie and Gabby, and we're sitting in a warehouse that is kind of a semi-functioning warehouse. There's People coming in and out, and they were pressure cleaning a minute yeah. ago, and we had to shut it down. And so if you hear a lot of background noise, you know, that's yeah. just, we're just going to have to live with it. That's right. We're, we're, we really are in a, in a warehouse, and, and, and we don't want Tyler to lose his mind, so we'll just deal with a little banging. Right. It's like uh, when, you go to, mm-hmm. when you go to a yoga class, and at the end, there's the, the, the uh, shavasana meditative part, and everyone wants it perfectly quiet. And there's they a want car this pristine, honking. Yeah, and there's a car honking, and people get angry. And <laughs> car it's like, alarm. But if you go to India, there's people meditating all over the place, and it's the most cacophonous, you know, there's no, there's no quiet What does that space. word mean, cacophonous? Is that what you said? Please loud, educate me. Loud. Lots of different noises coming oh, at you. That's awesome. That's I think you word. two should sit next to each other. <laughs> No, that would be bad. Not a cross. <laughs> you need to mediate. I see, I see why you really have a guest. It's just to sit in the middle. Right. You have to mediate. Oh, no, no. We, we did get in almost a little bit of a spat a couple episodes ago. Well, that's good that you're assigned to your mics and you can't really that's move. Good. So Right. I can't, I mean, re- hey, I can't reach her. Keeping it real. That's what we're here to talk to Gabby about. Exactly. Being married 15 years. Oh, yeah. That's why I don't have Laird here. He is truly in a meeting because we don't want to get that real, do we? No, that would be, that's too scary. We're going to keep our fingers and crossed. He wouldn't need a mic. Back. He could just sit over there and talk and we could all hear and him. Hear him. <laughs> I'm not kidding. That'd be good, actually, because don't, I don't think we have another mic. <laughs> I know. I get, well, yeah, if you're Laird, you don't need, yeah, you, no, just, really. you just walk in and actually the, the listeners on the other end would actually be able to see him. That's feel the right. vibration. <laughs> I'm, I'm not kidding. I can feel the vibration before I actually hear him. It's, yeah. Anyway. It's a beautiful thing. When he it walks is. in. It's lively. Uh-huh. It's amazing. He's a man's man. <laughs> and he's a ladies' man too. <laughs> cool. That's great. So anyway, um, Tyler, there's a weird humming sound in the background. Can you hear that? What's going on? All right, whatever. We're living with it. I can hear the Kauai yeah. rain. Oh, that's probably just the rain. Yeah, so we're on the north shore of Kauai, and we're getting into the rainy season, and it pretty much rains constantly. And uh, living in the yurts, you can hear it. It's pretty loud at night, it's banging around loud. and everything like that. Well, yeah, we have a tin roof. That's perfect. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I know. It's great, great audio. It, it wasn't raining before, so we thought, oh, we'll do it in the warehouse, and now it's raining. Okay, now I can't hear you. Your lips are moving across the, across the studio, but I can't hear well, you. Well, we're just going to do it anyway. <laughs> I so. sometimes say that to my husband as a joke. What? Your lips <laughs> like, are moving, but I can't no, hear like, you? No, I'm like, what? What? She can hear you. <laughs> And actually, she reads your lips anyway. You That's could be right. across the room having a she conversation. Reads my, she reads my mind. <laughs> she just looks at my face, and then she turns around and walks the other way. Exactly. That's right. <laughs>
We're brought to you today by a very exciting brand new sponsor, Go Brewing. I am sober. I don't drink. And I devoted so many episodes of this podcast to the unreal benefits of an alcohol-free lifestyle. Why? Because even if you don't have issues with booze and suds, no amount of alcohol is good for you. At a minimum, it wreaks havoc on your sleep and produces a hangover that destroys your energy, your mood, and your focus. At worst, it turns your whole life upside down. But no longer does that mean you have to break up with your favorite brew because my pals at Go Brewing are making all your favorite brews, minus the alcohol, fewer calories, and more productive tomorrows. It's not every day that I get the privilege to witness the inception of a company collaborating with our podcast, but that's exactly what happened with Go Brewing. I'm gonna tell you this story. A few years back, I spoke at this event in Illinois, fittingly named Go, and it turns out that that very day catalyzed Joe, the founder, to start his own NA beer company, Go Brewing. I had no idea about any of this until I bumped into Joe at Jesse Itzler's Running Man event the other month in Georgia, and he shared this story with me. I savored his fare in all its varieties and deeply moved by the mission and what he shared with me and just impressed with the insane taste and quality of his alcohol-free concoctions, I wanted to help share the discovery. Made with natural ingredients faithful to traditional beer styles, Go Brewing has an impressive lineup of delicious, small-batch, craft, alcohol-free brews, all without added sugar or artificial processing. My favorite is their double IPA, not just another story, but Basically, you just really can't go wrong because everything they make is brewed to perfection, worthy of trying yourself, which you can now do at gobrewing.com. That's gobrewing.com and use the code RICHROLL for 15% off your first purchase. We're brought to you today by recovery.com. I've been in recovery for a long time. It's not hyperbolic to say that I owe everything good in my life to sobriety. And it all began with treatment and experience that I had that quite literally saved my life. And in the many years since, I've in turn helped many suffering addicts and their loved ones find treatment. And with that, I know all too well just how confusing and how overwhelming and how challenging it can be to find the right place and the right level of care, especially because unfortunately, not all treatment resources adhere to ethical practices. It's a real problem. A problem I'm now happy and proud to share has been solved by the people at recovery.com who created an online support portal designed to guide, to support, and empower you to find the ideal level of care tailored to your personal needs. They've partnered with the best global behavioral health providers to cover the full spectrum of behavioral health disorders, including substance use disorders, depression, anxiety, eating disorders, gambling addictions, and more. Navigating their site is simple. Search by insurance coverage, location, treatment type, you name it. Plus, you can read reviews from former patients to help you decide. Whether you're a busy exec, a parent of a struggling teen, or battling addiction yourself, I feel you. I empathize with you. I really do. And they have treatment options for you. Life and recovery is wonderful, and recovery.com is your partner in starting that journey. When you or a loved one need help, go to recovery.com and take the first step towards recovery. To find the best treatment option for you or a loved one, again, go to recovery.com. 
I'm super proud to announce my next venture, Voicing Change Media. This beautiful consortium of thinkers, storytellers, artists, and visionaries all committed to fostering meaningful exchanges and sharing thought-provoking content. Voicing Change Media will feature shows like The Proof with Simon Hill, Soul Boom with Rain Wilson, Mentor Buffet with Alexi Pappas, Feel Better Live More with Dr. Rangan Chatterjee, and The Conversation with Amanda Decadene. You can explore this network and all its offerings at voicingchange.media. So thanks for taking the time to be with us today. Oh, it's my pleasure. It's cool. So you are a North Shore kind of semi-native. You're going back and forth between Los Angeles. How much time do you spend here? Well, we base out of here. Um, my, so Laird grew up on Kauai. Mm-hmm. And on the end, at the, you know, they call it the deep country. And um, so we, we, we live here for his surfing season, which is winter. The low pressures that bring snow bring large waves. So we sort of make our way here in late October and usually stay here till uh, mid to late April. Mm-hmm. And um, we've been doing that. Um, and, and then we spend the other six months based out of uh, Los Angeles. We've been doing that for about 17 years. And um, we used to go to Maui for about 12 or 13 years. And um, finally, about four or five years ago, had the opportunity to make our way back to Kauai. And so we, we do that with our, with our family. Right. Very cool. I remember I saw that um, there was that show on, I think it was on the Sundance Channel Iconoclast where like oh, Eddie Vedder Eddie came out and, Laird, hung, yeah, yeah. and hung out. And, and you got a really good feel. What I loved about it was just that it kind of took its time and you, you kind of got to the, the sense and the feel of what your life is like. And that, that was Maui though, when you guys were in Maui, right? Yeah. But it was really cool. And, and just a, a kind of a flavor of you know, raising the girls and having this, you know, different kind of family life. And, you know, that's what really interests me, interests Julie, is, is you know, really um, looking into and kind of experimenting with different ways of raising our kids in different locations and, you know, not just sort of saying, well, this is how everybody else lives and, you know, we live in the cul-de-sac and we go to this job or whatever, but saying, hey, maybe there's something more, let's take a step back and really evaluate mm-hmm. how we're spending our time and is there a different way, is there a better way or whatever. And, and I think that, you know, you guys have something figured out that's pretty cool. Well, I'll be honest, Absolutely. I don't know if we have anything figured out, <laughs> um, but I, I do know one thing through through this experience is that the minute that you sort of see a system in place, um, you are beholden to it when you say, okay, I'm going to live by those rules. Like, okay, we're going to enroll in this school and then we're going to go through that system. But the minute that you, if you have that opportunity to step out of that, then you, I, I stopped pressuring out about it. Like my kids, uh, two, my younger two daughters are homeschooled with a teacher and, um, and uh, my oldest is is going to be going into university. Uh, but it was the minute I sort of said, this is how we're going to do it. It feels right for our, our family and, and this timing. Then I stopped worrying about that other system that's in place that I that we weren't participating in. Um, so right, like I, I questioning if you were missing out on something, yeah, or making a mistake. Correct. Or, right. You know, I have a friend right now, for example, she lives in Los Angeles and she, her daughter is in the uh, freshman in high school and uh, a great kid. And um, she goes to a really uh, good school. What's, you know, quote, good school. Right. And it's not right for her. And the family has decided to take her out and 
and homeschool her online through the school. They have an online. Mm-hmm. And I think the minute that they all sort of made the decision and they realized that that is what is right for this particular child, they were really relieved. Um, but I think it's difficult. I think it's really difficult because it comes from us at all, from all areas, um, you know, about like, about well, where were they go, you know, where were they go to school and what activities and all the activities after school. Right, they won't be so properly well, socialized it's, it's very, or they'll be, you know, well, or even like sports. It's threatening because it's outside of the norm. And so, you know, when somebody hears that, they, people get defensive. And, you know, we talked about this the other day on the podcast when we were talking about homeschooling, we're homeschooling our kids and. And I come from a very traditional schooling and education background. And, and it's a struggle for me, like, just to kind of accept it or, I guess, embrace it, really. Like, I have fears or, or is this the right thing? I don't know. And I see my little girls and I know that it's right for them. It's not right for everybody. But, right. you know, especially with Mathis, our, our eight-year-old, well, she just turned nine yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm confident that we're doing the right thing for her. Yeah. But it's also scary because you take on that responsibility in a whole new way. You're not abdicating all of that to some institution where you can just go to sleep at night and figure, oh, it's being taken care of for me. Yeah. And that, and that is, uh, and that is true. But then I think you can look around that the way I look at it is you see so many people that have gone through that system and even like, you know, went to an Ivy league university. Um, and, and was that always the answer? Um, and yeah, and I talking think, about me. <laughs> I mean, well, that's but, my experience. But, yeah, right. I did all that. And then I kind of got on the other side of it and I go, well, wait a minute. You know, like, is this, I don't even know if this is what I want to be doing or, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, I never asked myself those questions or it was never sort of enforced upon me to really kind of, you know, get to know myself or what I want or what I'm, you know, what I'm kind of here to do. Or, yeah. you know, I think everybody has a certain thing that they're here to do you know not everybody's going to be michael jordan or gabby reese or laird hamilton every but everybody has something you know in their heart Mm -hmm. or whatever that is kind of their legacy or their mission on this planet and i think as parents it's our job to help the child figure out what that is and support and support that as best as we can but i think what gabby was saying is is key though is is the school being being uh, in a system that requires you to be at a certain place on certain days, and even a system that, for instance, um, I had a situation where my grand- my mother came into town, and she lives in Alaska, and we were living in California, and she's in her 80s, and so I told, at the time Mathis was enrolled in a school, and I told the school administrator that she was going to be out for four days being with her grandmother, and I got cited for for truancy because it's a law. The only reason someone can be absent from school is I think it's illness, grief, or, uh, you know, pre excused absence for some, mm-hmm. you know, some activity. But they didn't hear but, you. They'd, you said my mother's yes. coming in town. It's grief. Do you not know? I'm kidding. So, I mean, <laughs> I told them thinking that that would be a yeah. great thing. Of course. Of course. Right. right. I mean, we want to nurture. How long this. is she going to be around? And then I was in trouble. <laughs> That's yeah. why I was in trouble. Yeah. So I think. Uh, and, well, they encourage you to lie. They're basically, we're saying, yeah, right. come back and tell us that she's sick. Don't tell us that she needs to spend time with her elder. Family member. 
Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So then my children then saw me lie, you know, because yeah. I was like, oh, I can't, okay, yeah. that's interesting. Yeah. So anyway, I think but what you were saying is when you let go of that system, mm-hmm. I mean, talk, talk to me about the freedom that yeah. you guys have in your life. Well, it, it is freedom, but it, and also to, your, to Rich's point, it is, it's a scary thing too, <laughs> right. because you sort of go, well, it's up to us and we're making this choice. And certainly people are much smarter than us at, at this. But the other side of it is this is what is liberating even more or reconfirming is I look around and you, in this day and age, you could go to the best school and the best university and it doesn't actually guarantee you, quote, a job, which was the point besides, you know, my grandmother was an educator, um, furthering your horizons is what I was told. And even when I was a teenager, she also told me, well, you know, university isn't for everybody. And she looked right at me and I was like, well, what does that mean? Wow. And, and truthfully, probably the only reason I ended up going to university was because I went on an athletic scholarship. But so my point is, is it, let's say we lived in a different time where it was sort of like if you got a four-year degree, you sort of were guaranteed some kind of job, right? Now you're not guaranteed that. You probably would incur quite a bit of debt if your family couldn't afford to pay for that schooling. And so in a way it alleviates me because I'm like, Hey, listen, everyone's rolling the dice on some level. If you're marching them through the door, um, to go through this system and not teaching them to think for themselves. Um, I I tell Laird and I talk about it and and I mean this in a positive way. Our kids now, they have to be hustlers. You better understand what you're good at and what you are enjoy doing and you better when you see an opening understand how you fit in that opening Mm -hmm. and be a hustler because the guaranteed of like oh you have your law degree or your accounting or business degree that really doesn't mean so much it doesn't exist Mm -hmm. it doesn't unless you're like a tech genius and that only you know how long that's always changing as well so part of me goes well listen it's it's all a risk at this point. So if if we can spend time together and influence them and impact them as long as we can, because at twelve or thirteen they start to drift away anyway. At some mm-hmm. point, it's on some level, mm-hmm. um, and it might change. Like they, it's might, always changing. And I think that right. idea, uh, you know, as a parent, you want your kids to be safe and you want to want them to have choices and all that sort of stuff. But um, I think a lot of that sort of. Uh, security that you imagine is illusionary and and things are changing a lot and of course if you go to law school or medical school you have a good chance of getting a job in those professions um but you you better know that that's what you want and you're not doing it just because it seems like a good way to make a living and i think the system the, the biggest problem is that the system is set up so that when you graduate you're in debt you know, and for a lot of people and, and to start your sort of professional life, like owing a bunch of money compels you to make decisions you might not ordinarily make about what you want to spend your time doing, you know? Yeah. But it is, it is a luxury too. I always acknowledge that, that the opportunity to homeschool your children, if your schedule permits, um, if your environment permits, or to even be able to ask that question is still, it is a luxury. And, and I, I guess it's one of those things like, is it a luxury because we've said, okay, this is important enough that we're asking it. But I also know that most people are just trying to make it happen. Right. Every day. Yeah, and it's hard. And I think a lot of people out there are like, well, I'd love to do that, but, you know, I'm busy and I work two jobs or yeah. my wife and I both work and we don't have time or we don't have the resources to hire a, right. a tutor to come over or whatever. And I think there are still options available for those people if they really, really want to explore it and are interested. But, yeah. you know, I acknowledge that it's not, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a difficult thing. It's not, it's not going to work for everybody's lives. Right. Yeah, I mean, I think that, again, as, as we go along this path and we're, you know, we're exploring it, that 
sort of new support systems will appear. And, mm-hmm. you know, my favorite one that I've been calling in and asking for is just give me five families, just five. Yeah. That's all five that basically have similar, you know, lifestyle. And let's have each of those parents donate four hours a month. Okay. Now I already know just combining our family and your family, Gabby's family, right. we we already have a wealth of people in, you know, the, also, uh, the older brothers as well as the parents. So if people just donated four hours a month mm-hmm. and then we hired a teacher yep. and split, and I'm a big fan of not splitting the grades. I like the whole tribe together. I yep. think that that is an enriching life experience. It's something that I experience every day with my own family. And, you know, we're learning French as a family in the car, um, listening to tapes. Mm-hmm. It's hilarious. Mm-hmm. It's fun. And we're all doing it together. Yeah. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's cool. So, but, you know, not easy. It's easy. It's easy. Just let go. That's what I was telling <laughs> All right, I'll work it's on not that. Easy. I said it's but easy. I, I do think it's, you know, that I've learned from being with someone who's very, um, I always sort of said one of the things I really appreciate about Laird was that he, um, he's not going to be changed. You know, I'm not going to change him. And that actually brought out of a good side of me because women have a tendency to try to mother change control situations. Um, even if we don't mean to, that's just in our nature. And so when you're with a male that you can't change, you put the energy to other things. Mm -hmm. And also you actually continue to respect them because they're not letting you change them. But, um, is, is that I think the interesting thing to study about domestic living as it's set up is, Men love their wives and their children, um, and they got to get out. Mm-hmm. At the oh, same yeah. time, it's like this cons- constant conflicted thing that you see. Like you see the love. Like you, they come in and you're like, oh, there they are. There's the children. There's my wife. I love her. And then after a few moments, they're like, oh my god, I got to get out of here. And it's. It, I think it's so natural, and it's so not to be taken personally. But I have really learned that over the 17 years that um, it's just in them, you know, it's just a natural. So for a woman, it's like, yeah, let's all be together and homeschool. And the guy's like, uh-huh, oh my God, I got to get out of here. <laughs> Keep right. speaking the truth. Like, what, are you kidding me? But it's true. It's it is true. You know, it's really, and that's, a, that's like, that, that issue is a, or that subject matter is like a huge thing in our family. And it's a big part of our personal story in our marriage and, and in our family. I mean, yeah, I think absolutely. that, and we, we talked about this in a couple episodes ago too, but, you know, we kind of went through that where, you know, I was in a certain place and Julie kind of wanted me to be different and mm-hmm. we, we played that game out, you know, mm-hmm. and, and that didn't really go in a great direction, mm-hmm. you know, and that caused a lot of problems in our marriage. And yeah, we did, you know, have a little, you know, we split for a day, yeah. <laughs> I was only a day. but like oh. we had, you know, we had, we had some, pro- you know, we had some yeah. problems and then kind of Julie's evolution with, with coming to terms with exactly what you said and, and how that kind of changed our relationship and our in our marriage, and so uh, it shifted everything actually. And it's funny; it's I, I wrote an article. It was posted on Mind Body Green, and, mm-hmm. and uh, it uh, it was basically about uh, bringing a divine awareness into the relationship. So you're talking about the human relationship, which is basically a business agreement because you say you meet somebody and you fall in love and you project your image of who you want them to be, who Mm -hmm. they really were never, they were never that. Mm -hmm. But then when you find out they're not that, then you get mad at them 
And it's this whole cycle. Yeah. So we had this big shift in our relationship, you know, really after seven years of really everybody telling me how right I was and, and he, and nothing was shifting. Like it wasn't shifting. And I finally had to really look inside myself and see that the fact that I wanted him to change was in fact an energy that was paralyzing the entire transformation. And when I actually got that and I was able to let go mm-hmm. and just go, he is who he is. I love him just for his essence, mm-hmm. purely. He could do whatever he wants. Like, it's yeah. not, it was at that moment that everything shifted. Right. And I think it's, well, and I, I mean, not to be crass, but I think it's really important for men to keep their balls, if you will. And mm-hmm. I think women that try to take them away, um, not only, again, does she, she will no longer be attracted to him. Yeah, if she's successful in that, then she, she's not going to like the guy that she... It's not, th- not at all. <laughs> not at all. And, and he'll resent her. Mm-hmm. And um, the, the other interesting thing I have found... Well, and I think even with children, it's harder with children because we're so responsible for them on some level. But is I sort of have decided, and I I noticed that my that Laird has done the same on his side. Is I'll I'll worry about how I'm acting, and being, and treating you, and what I'm bringing to the table. And I'm really going to hope that you're going to do the same. And 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 I, I have found that that seems to be the best method because if the person isn't willing anyway you're it's not you're not going to make them and so then you don't have that struggle of i'm you know i want this and i need that it's like no i'm going to treat you with love and respect and honor i'm going to try to have some fun and have a smile on my face when you come home and um deliver whatever that expectation is right my my family in some ways we're very old fashioned I, I cook and we do the thing and if it's stinky and dead, Laird's digging the hole and burying it and we have that understanding. Um, and that, that seems to help it flow better. Mm-hmm. You know, and every couple, you guys have a different, you know, everyone has their own, what are we bringing? But I think the minute you sort of trust them that, oh, you know what? My, my girl or my guy, he's, he's going to, He'll he'll pull it, he'll bring it to his from his side, right? You know, but you had to learn that through experience, oh. right? I mean, this is not Listen, you know. Forget I think one day breakup. Yeah. Try like six month breakup. You know, I think we Laird and I. I'd say we had two very very ch- uh, challenging times. One in particular, um, and you know, he always says if you don't stay together through the hard times, you don't ever get to really enjoy that next sort of rebirth. That you you really do. Um, you value because you you see the growth, um, and yeah. people. I think it, people don't realize too. You can genuinely not like someone and not even feel attracted to them, and go through the really hard time, and you can get through that. Absolutely, mm-hmm. you know, you can you can genuinely do that. But both people have to be willing, and I and I do think kind of fundamentally. There probably has to be some connections there yeah, that can propel you through it, you know. There right. has to be a very good, solid core, I believe. Yeah. But, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And it's really, I mean, I always say now from where Rich and I, we've been together 14 years, so mm-hmm. married last time. And you guys have been together 17. Yeah. Yeah, wow. Yeah, I'm, bow, I'm bowing to you right oh, now. Oh, gosh. One day but, at a uh, time. Yeah. yeah, no. So, but, um, you know, uh, uh, now where we're standing... It's like where we stand now, we've earned it. Like no one can take that from us or nobody can just, you know, 
fly into the room and have really any effect. It's like we've earned it. We've we've stood together. We've been through the ups. We've been through the downs. Yeah. And we've had this incredible experience. And it's it's uh it's really very powerful and very deep. It's a very deep relationship. It is deep. I, I think it. I think the other, well, not interesting, I think another thing of it, too, it's like your health. Like, you guys live this every day. The thing about a relationship is I do believe, even when you go through it, um, you still have to kind of earn it every day, if -hmm. you will. And so I I kind of also take the the attitude of um, I'll keep working for this. Not like, okay, we've been together um, now you're in my back pocket and we'll right. just go right. on. There's no stasis. There's no static point. No. You're either moving you know, towards a healthier relationship yes. or moving towards a yeah. more unhealthy relationship. I mean, I learned that <laughs> lesson in recovery. Like, there, you know, I want to be on cruise control with sobriety or whatever. Yeah. But at every given moment, I'm either moving towards you know, a relapse or I'm getting more healthy. You know? But there's no place where you can just cruise and say it's all fine you know it's work it's always yeah. work and it will always it will always be work there's no and that that work never ends you can never yeah. but i think it's good when it doesn't surprise us i think when we kind of understand it doesn't and work doesn't sometimes i think work has the idea of like it's not a good thing but i think work can be a really good thing it's just it is that it is kind mm-hmm. of a form of work um it's like if you go ride your bike or you're doing your yoga discipline it's like but it's still it sometimes people attach work as like a negative thing instead of, I think, one of the things that really gives us a lot of real deep pleasure and fulfillment, which is to be... Of course. Working really towards to something. Be, sure. To be of service, really. It's mm-hmm. to be of service to, you know, this relationship or this beautiful family. I mean, yeah. what more, what else That's right. is more worthy right. than mm-hmm. that? That's Absolutely right. nothing. But I think that the, probably, you know, I'm interested in how you deal with people that kind of project onto you some kind of fantastical idea of what your life is like, you know, like this, mm-hmm. this notion, like this sort of Disney, you know, mm-hmm. kind of fairy tale, Laird and Gabby, you know, living in Hawaii and living mm-hmm. in Malibu. You know, the dolls. It's all perfect. And yeah. yeah, it's all perfect all the time. Yeah. And, and, uh, and, you know, whatever kind of either reverence or jealousy or whatever comes along with that. Mm-hmm. Well, I think, you know, I think, um, well, I grew, see, I grew up in the Caribbean. I grew up on an island, and um, Laird grew up on an island, and there was something about that where, you know, as you know from just even being here, um, the currency of living on an island is it's, it's who you are. It's not what you are or what you have or what you drive or what you live in, right? So, um, or, e- or, or even attractiveness. Like, that's mm-hmm. got a different, it, it's, you know, it's a different thing. So we, I think both of us grew up, um, and, and we grew up a little bit behind the eight ball separately and for different reasons. And so I, I um, well, first of all, we're both very, I, hopefully, um, kind of right there with it. You know, like, I don't think either one of us want to pretend that everything is perfect or we're afraid to show this is really who we are. Um, but having said that, it's like we both acknowledge that we have sort of these lives that we've been fortunate you know, doing sports for a living or do, living in two places and, and, and some of that. So I think it's more, you know, kind of other people's stuff, mm-hmm. even when it's good stuff coming your way, even when people are like, oh, you're great. I think that's their stuff. Mm-hmm. That's still not your thing. 
And same with the negative. It's like, oh, well, you guys, it's easy for you or whatever. It's like, okay, well, that's your stuff too. Um, and I think that's an, been an important thing is to not get caught up um, in the cycle either way. They're really, because you, you know who you are and you're trying to get through your life and, you, and you're trying to, you know, reach your mission. And, and if people are singing your praises, you can't really let that influence you. It's nice, mm-hmm. but you, you have to go, I know what that is. And it's the same with the other. And, you know, Laird, Laird told me a story the other day where he was out surfing. And it was a smaller day. And he said, God, I had like two left feet and I fell off the board or something like that. And then some guy comes up to him and he goes, oh, my God, like you're human and you fell off the board. Because you can, you can go out there on some <laughs> days right. and he's spinning his board around or doing right. whatever. I mean, that's his, one of his gifts, right? And Laird looked at the guy and he said, listen, he's like, I have fallen off more waves than you have ridden. Mm-hmm. He's like, I've wiped out more times than you've ever surfed a wave. And I guess the point of that is, is that that is the point, is that we have failed so much separately and together that whatever people say, you just go, oh, gosh, okay. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah, it's those projections you can't take on negative or positive. And they're they're everywhere. And all the time for you, I would imagine. Well, no, I don't even mean that. I just mean for all of us going, uh-huh. working in a nine to five job. It's just, it's all, it's all around us. Right. And, you know, I, it's been interesting for me, for me and, and very, very good to have a, you know, I've started working over 20 years ago and had, had, I've had like an up and a down and an up and back down. And there's something really good about that because you go, is my value in how busy I am? And how many people recognize or don't recognize me? And am I less valuable because I'm less busy? Or, and it, you've got to come to come to terms with your ego and with that whole thing. Mm-hmm. And that's that's been a very good teacher. Mm-hmm. But it is cool that I mean, essentially, your professional volleyball career ended in like the late '90s, yeah. Yeah, and then I played a little bit in the 2000s on two different for two different seasons yeah right and then you made a go at the lpga for a little bit well what happened is is then i before i started having um my before my second daughter someone said to me okay we're gonna pay you to play golf in this um with a certain technique because they say in golf um it's the only sport you can make money through intellectual property right because they you know people go like oh new swing and Mm -hmm. and a new technique new technique or whatever and i sort of thought i was in my early 30s and um, I have a need that really gives me a hard time. And I sort of thought that would be interesting to be in an athletic environment that would, I could prolong being in a kind of that stress, which is enjoyable, you know, like mm-hmm. working hard and competing and stuff. So the whole idea was to try to get my card. And then I started having children and I was spending eight hours a day at the golf course. Wow. And so it just wasn't possible. Um, so after my second daughter was born, and then I, I went down and I, I started doing the long world championship long drives because it's one club, right? And then that just, it just, golf is a very hard sport. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and also the other thing I learned about that was I became good at volleyball because I fell into it and I, I really enjoyed it. And with golf, I ended up putting the goal first instead of like, I grew up as a kid golfing and I liked walking around and it was fun. And then I enjoyed it and then the goal started it was switched around and I think that that was really um, really prohibitive yeah I think you see that a lot in professional athletes too when the fun goes out of it gets drained out of it and the pressure yeah. is amped up and it's about the money and yeah. and all that kind of stuff and, and then the performance starts to wane and yeah. 
I think it's relevant also just for, you know, anybody out there who's trying to get fit or maintain their fitness. And you know, people ask me all the time, like, how can I get started or what should I do or what do you recommend? And mm-hmm. my answer is always like, find something that you enjoy, you know, like if you hate running, then, you know, yeah, you could go out and force yourself to run for a while and maybe lose a little weight and whatever, but your chances are you're not going to stick with it. And no. the point is to find something that's sustainable within your lifestyle so that you will continue to do it. So whether it's a skill or whatever it is, something that's active, that's exercise oriented that you find that you find joy in, right? right. Well, I, I think that's a, that's exactly right. I mean, I I see people and I and I have people I know and they they really like they hate the gym. And I'm like, well, then don't go into the don't gym. Go there. Mm-hmm. Because that's, and it's almost, it, you see that a lot though, because we all sort of go, well, I've got to hit that mark. And so what's it going to take to hit the mark instead of, well, what is it that I could do that I would enjoy doing along the way to the mark? Mm-hmm. And almost if the mark happens, great. And if it doesn't, that's almost a sidebar. Yeah, it shouldn't be about the goal no. or, I mean, I, obviously it's motivating. Like, I want to lose 10 pounds or, or I want to, you know, my 10K time or whatever it is. Right. Those can, com, you know, compel you to show up on a rainy morning to do something you don't ordinarily want to do. But it's about the journey. If you're not enjoying, you know, if you're not lockstep into the day-to-day of whatever it is you're doing, then it's, it's not, the, the, the goal is not going to mean as much and you're not going to stick with it. I mean, it's not going to be part, it's not going to become part of who you are. Right, but we're we're not taught to uh, to try to really understand who am I. That's that's a really scary notion. Mm-hmm. That's that's the whole that's the whole shebang. That's the right? whole. This deal. is where Julie comes yeah. in. No, we've oh, talked gosh. about that extensively. Yeah. Well, well, I mean, really, what we're you know what we're supporting and what we're advocating and what we're sharing just by sharing our own experience is that very thing: how to connect to your own heart. And you know, I always say that. You know, the divine consciousness that creates all things creates each being in a perfect design. And, you know, the big, the big trauma is that we've all been hypnotized through greed. And it's really, it's really mostly money-driven. You know, you're trying to, you know, be okay in society. Uh, and n- not that many of us have been nurtured to really find out who we are. And that, again, leads us back to my big support of our choices of education for our kids is is at least I know that their self-esteem is intact. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's the number one most important thing because we are all smart. We are all creative. I mean, all humans. I mean, everyone, right? Yeah, <laughs> right? That's right. And each being has a gift. And I always say, I said on an earlier podcast, wouldn't it be wonderful if instead of trying to make everybody the same mm-hmm. or study the same things, we started out asking, please tell me who you are. Right. Please tell me what you came here to share. But, that, but the person us... has to ask themselves that question mm-hmm. first. And well, they need tools to, absolutely. you know, like even when we talked about this before, I was getting emails like, well, what do you mean? Like, <laughs> I don't even know. What are, your t- what are you even talking about? Well, right. But I mean, and, the, and that in the beginning thing, and one thing that really surprised us w- with Rich's transformation and how we were sort of organically led into this nutrition. I mean, mm-hmm. I was never going to write a cookbook. I'm an artist. Right. You know, I was just make, c- cooking for him out of the love of supporting him and his training and his newfound, you know, joy. And, and uh, but w- what we really noticed and from everybody contacting us is just how much food plays a part in this awareness. Well, and think about food. It's, it's huge. It's celebration. It's depression. It's mm-hmm. boredom. It's gathering. It's social. And if you have, if you're an addict in any way, 
of it, you still have to do it three or four times a day. Mm-hmm. So it's not like you go, oh, okay, I was a drinker and I, I'm not now. And you just bail it. You right. still have to find a way you within to it, it to function with the food. And it's the number one yes. way of managing your emotions. Yeah. I mean, it's just, and, and even, I mean, I, you know, I, I go back and forth where I handle it very well. But every once in a while, a little stress, a little boredom, a little something. And I go, oh, check that out mm-hmm. where you, you know, you can go mm-hmm. for it. And, um, and like I said, and you, and you have to deal with it every day. It's not like you can go, okay, you know what? That's it. No food. I'm going to walk away. done with that. And that is <laughs> a dance. Powerful. That's a dance. You yeah. Know? Yeah. So, I mean, that, you know, that's been really, really enlightening for us. And that's why we're, you know, we're spending a lot of our energy well, change, in you know, that direction. Cleaning up your diet is the first, what you're saying essentially is cleaning up your diet is the first step towards trying to create a greater relationship between you and yourself you like and that's yourself. the first you, exactly because if you're if you're uh sort of trying to manage all your emotions or suppress your emotions through food all the time then you're preventing yourself from taking that first step of looking inward yeah absolutely or if you're eating you know so many processed foods that have toxins in them you can't feel yourself you right. can't feel who you are because you're you're not really you you you've got all this other stuff in your system well, I always joke. I, I did a cleanse um, like a couple different times, a pretty extensive one. And I always have another friend that was considering it. And I go, but be careful because at the end of the cleanse, you'll get rid of all your bad friends because all of a sudden <laughs> you'll have this whole clarity and you'll just be like, oh, wait a second. I can't, I can't be friends with you anymore. You know, <laughs> I'm kidding. But it was like, you know, it was a pretty long, I mean, it was two weeks and pretty, pretty extreme. But of course, I think um, the, the, the drug of, of food is... It's powerful. It's really powerful. Powerful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's hard to get. See, that's the other thing is you, when you say people write in and they, they, they sit, you know, they ask, what do you mean? You know, if you live in certain places that the food is readily available, you're fortunate. If you live in certain places, you can barely find the food. For sure. You that's can barely true. find the food. I had, a, I had a thought that I wanted to um, take... Um, one of the doctors from, you know, like Forks Over Knives and just say, okay, mm-hmm. listen, you and I, we're going into a Walmart and we're going to go into a Kroger's market and we're going to go into a Target, all the places they sell food. And I want to tell, I want you to tell me what we can eat. Mm-hmm. And I want you not only to tell me what we can eat, I want you to prepare three meals and how it gets done. Because also that's the other thing is people don't forget that you drive down the road, you only have a certain amount of money in your pocket to spend and it's where, what can you eat and where can you get it? Right. I mean, not everyone has a Whole Foods. Not everyone has a farmer's market. No. There's pretty much Walmarts and Costco's and Targets and yep. stuff like that around. And, you know, a lot of people, that's, you know, where they get their food. And yep. there has to be a way to make it easier for the consumer to be judicious in their choices. And so I think, you know, yeah, if you took Dr. Esselstyn or yeah, T. That's, Colin that's Campbell, exactly. you know? I was like, I'd like to take Esselstyn and yeah. go, let's go, you and me right now, let's go into Walmart. What can we eat? I can, I can make that happen. Yeah, we can make that happen. Yeah, I'm just saying, yeah. I think that that, because at a certain point, you know, I'm, I'm, I mean, unfortunately, and I wish I was more right-brained, I'll be honest. Like, my husband is very, right, like, artistic and, like, creative and inventive, and I'm, like, really linear and, like, pound through the goals. But there's a part of me that's like, I wanted to do a show, just call it Solutions, and go, okay, issues, solutions. Because we can, you know, I always say, people go, oh, well, well, I go, all right, do you just want to, do we want to find the solutions? And just take someone like that who's so brilliant and dedicated their whole life to it and lived it, you can see it, um, and just go, all right, let's at least realistically figure out how can you do that. Right. 
Because there's still always going to be people. That, there's there there are, there are people though who say they want to change or they want help, but they really don't. No. And they they love to say, "Well, I can't do that." So what, I mean, you know, what would be just between the three of us, what would be some ways, like what, what would I do? What would I do if I lived in one of those cities where that was only available? Well, I guess I would look to see if there was anything organic, which there probably is maybe three or four items. But even like in terms of, but even if it's not like if you're, if you're, yeah, yeah, it's better to eat produce than not eat produce. That's, but I'm saying that that's one solution. Like, let's just pretend that there are, there is, you know, that, that information is out there. Mm -hmm. Like maybe it could be presented better, but like Jeff, Jeff Novick is a great example. He's like, you know, buy frozen vegetables because they're, they're packaged fresh, like right after they're Mm -hmm. harvested, they're immediately frozen. And so even if they're not organic, it's still great. And you can, and he has these DVDs where he makes these in literally in five minutes, he makes 20 different stews. And he's like, he has his rule of thirds, which is great, which is you make a huge pot of something and he has all these recipes that are super easy. And a third of it you eat with your family, a third of it you put in the fridge for like later or the next day, and then the other third of it you freeze. Mm -hmm. And so every time you make a meal, you're doing that. And then your freezer starts stacking up with stuff that's, you know, you can thaw out and eat. So you always have something in your fridge that's healthy. Yeah. It prevents you from making that like, you know, bad impulsive choice. Yeah, that's that's a good solution in in some scenarios. The other one is, have you guys seen those those towers or those portable... um, gardens where you can order mm. like uh they're vertical gardens yeah. i guess you can order one i think they're like 500 bucks or something and yeah. you can actually grow produce in your own kitchen wherever you are right yeah you hang these things and yeah. i think it's have pretty, you seen those pretty... ones like the tomato one that's really funny it's like a the a 15 or 30 second spot on the tv it's awesome i haven't seen it tomatoes you get it yeah, i know like tomatoes. people in manhattan yeah. are doing that like growing oh, yeah. food in their apartment right yeah so i i agree with you that it, it needs to be made easier but i think it's almost like it's gotten so we've gone so far away from it but na- so now then the answers are all coming I think, um, because before no one had to think about it, right? Right. They sort of go, well, that's not a problem. And now everyone goes, oh, wait a second. Okay. That's right. Now it's a problem. Mm-hmm. So, and the fact that it's, it will affect, you know, healthcare and the taxes and everybody's pocketbook. Now it will, you know, the discussion will get bigger. Right. Absolutely. Well, well it has the other to. Thing I mean, is- we're headed for, I mean, it's such a, we're in such a ridiculous situation right now. I mean, healthcare is absurdly expensive. It's a broken system. Heart disease, you know, is killing people like crazy, you know, 600,000 people a year or something like that. Diabetes, obesity, you know, diseases that come from being obese. And these are all, you know, preventable and reversible conditions with proper nutrition and and a few simple lifestyle alterations. And yet we have this huge problem that is, you know, by all indications, it's this weird dichotomy because it seems to be getting worse. Mm -hmm. And yet, you know, there's resources like More forks over knives and all these kind of, yeah there's all this information coming at us and it's very you know and there's a there is a, a, a you know like a willingness to pay attention to that and there's an audience for that and there is this movement like it's never been kind of more in the zeitgeist but at the same time it seems like there's a i don't know if it's another segment of the population entirely or whatever but it's like the problems are runaway train nonetheless well it's 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 the it's television and the internet, and I think it's, like you were saying earlier, the system where we're sort of going, 
um, you know, we, we have to work, we have to make money, we have to get bigger cars and bigger houses. And um, I, so I think the focus of priorities has, has, has been crazy. But we, there's, a lo- there's a huge time suck with the TV and, and the Internet, and it's easy. Mm-hmm. And, and then I think even like, I, I know it sounds silly, but the kind of glorification of bad reality programming of, of like people thinking that that's kind of funny you know, that right. sort of humiliation and that, uh, you know, so destructive behavior. It's actually just tragic. It's yeah, but it's seeped into our culture. So like somehow that's, a, it's like sort of okay, you know. Not only yeah. that, like these people have become role models, which right, brings exactly. me into like another thing I wanted to talk to you about, which is we don't, you know, like right now the female role models in our uh, popular like culture Kardashian? are Kim Kardashian and Lindsay Lohan oh, and Snooki right. and people like that. And, mm-hmm. and you know, are, and you have three girls, you have three daughters, mm-hmm. we have two daughters. Are, are these the women that you want your children looking up to? And, you know, and as much as you try to police it or control it, you yeah. know, short of turning the television off all the time, meaning in the mm-hmm. grocery store, they're on the cover of all yeah. the magazines and, and, they're, and, and we really don't, we are, we're not set up to... Celebr- adequately celebrate female role models like yourself, like, you know, the astronauts and the scientists and the, you know, the, the public servants or, or what have you to be role models for our girls. Well, I think he- here's how, and it's always gone back to this, and you guys know this in your house. It's really up to the parents. And I think, you know, like when you were saying, oh, have the kids go to school and that gets taken care of. Nothing gets taken care of. You have to take care of it like you guys are take care, taking care of it in your house. And so, for example, that stuff comes through our airways into my house, and it just becomes a discussion. And not like me being a mom going, oh, I can't believe it. You know, I don't get into all that. I just keep it as an open flow. But because there's so much other discussion and so many other examples within the home, my, by the time my one nine-year-old, she sees right through it. Mm-hmm. You know, my 17-year-old, she can't be bothered. You know, it's like, I think... It's never taboo. I think it's certainly if we want to talk about it. Um, and I think it's up to me and, the, and also the women I'm choosing to spend time with and who they're around, their aunties and, and, you know, and such, that they see it. Like they kind of go, oh, wow, this woman over here is kind of badass. And that girl, yeah, everything's slick and shiny and perfect. You know, the eyelashes and the shoes and the handbag. But it's, kids are smart, you know, and, and as long as you're offering something else, I think it feels, it will feel right to them. But yeah, it's, to, it's totally crazy because it's a train wreck and everyone makes everyone else feel better about themselves. Mm-hmm. You know, they go, oh, you know, her life's a disaster. She's a disaster. I'm doing pretty good, you know. We yeah. must all uh-huh. feel really bad about ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that's a, but that's a real it's thing. True. And it's true. And it's getting worse in this tabloid call. I mean, living in Los Angeles, you're, you're exposed to it, you know, in oh, a way yeah. that you're not living elsewhere. I mean, you go into town and, and you, you can see the little pockets of paparazzi following around somebody. And you sure. see the, the hysteria that ensues with that. And people are making money and... Yeah. You know, there's no, it's not going to, unless they change the laws or something like that. I mean, I don't no, see No, but it, it really comes from within the home. I mean, it's the same thing as with, you know, our diet. It's like you can't, you can't be eating, you know, fudge pies under your bed and then telling your kids to eat their vegetables. It's the same thing. It's like yeah. we live a certain vibration in our house and it doesn't mean we never you know, eat a potato chip or there's never, you know, a time where a tabloid flies by, but it's like, we don't buy those things. We actually turned TV off in our house some years ago. And, um, has it been a year yet? That was tough. 
Yeah, Rich went <laughs> kicking and screaming on that one. Yeah. Wait, but, no TV at all? What, no. Film? We did, yeah, well, well, yeah, yeah, we're we have big DV, film We watch buffs. DVDs and, yeah. and movies and but stuff like that. But you can like watch that, everything but, uh, online anyway. Yeah, yeah. So, Texas. So, but we just, you know, just that incessant news program that just keeps. Sorry. Yeah. Well, we have one son, actually Trapper, <laughs> who would like to come over and watch football with <laughs> you can come if over. he could. Yeah. He's a poor he's Trapper. A, trapper. He's our one sports. Especially yeah. the playoffs. You know, he's a football fanatic, and he's been deprived. Like I'm not kidding. He'll call you later. He can. He can. Like please. He's been going over to Chris's house. Perfect. We try our hardest to be enthusiastic, but it's really, it's a lie. Actually. I know. I, yeah. you know, sometimes I, I, you know, Laird, one time we were sitting there and he's like, and he was dead serious. Um, he appreciates, you know, obviously the athleticism and stuff, but he, he, I heard him say, oh, these man on man sports. And I was like, did you <laughs> <laughs> like, cause for him, right. Laird's it's about okay. the exploration and the yeah. whole thing. He's like, right. how can a referee decide if that's good or not? Like it just blows his mind, you uh-huh. know? But um, but listen, I mean, football, they are kind of gladiators you get, yeah. you know. But anyway. Yeah. So I've never I been like a big NFL. I can't, like, I, I, my dad is a crazy, you know, like I grew up watching football games yeah. and my dad loves it. And you know, I went through a period of time where I was into it. But just, I don't know, I'd rather be out riding my bike. And, well, you know, you'd rather like be that. doing. So I'd rather be doing. Instead yeah. of watching the doing. But, you know, I respect that Trapper loves it and yeah. I want to support him and, you know. That's right. So we're glad. We're glad to yeah. meet you. <laughs> Great, awesome. Anyway, no, but getting back to, we, I mean, it's really, what were we, talking we were talking about, about girls and, and having good role models. And I think it's, you know, I think again, it's nurturing. If you have a child and you respect that child and respect what that child loves to do or wants to do, and they're seeing you live your heart also and express yourself, it's like that kind of stuff doesn't even really, doesn't even really factor in. I mean, it's kind of like, oh, that's an interesting Yeah, and, that, and they'll go through teenage hormone weird take over the body type stuff for you know i sort of think 13 through 15 especially for girls 12 to 15 is a bit we haven't gotten there yet so. intense I'm, ter- um, I'm terrified oh you should be. should be you should be be like who is this person that's moved into my kid's body but i think it's also even honoring and trusting um that too that mm-hmm. like oh they'll because i remember i came out of it i mean i i have some of the dearest friends of mine that are the greatest adults and they were you know lunatics for a couple years being Mm -hmm. teenagers so i think it's also giving them their culture because that is also part of the culture that they share with other kids Mm -hmm. you know like whatever you know think about your social context when you grew up it was you know I don't know. You know what I mean? Like those shows, those music. And then, Way of but, communicating. But yeah. And then letting them, but they're going to grow out of they're it. They're going to grow out of Absolutely. it. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, we're hoping, I don't know, ours came in sort of in already. They were born in puberty. Yeah. So That's what you say <laughs> so now. But, you know. I don't know. I'm hoping that they're going to already be done with it. And like we've already done that chapter. Oh, yeah. We'll, oh, see, how that, we'll see how that works out. We'll see how that works out. So um, I want to talk about your book. You have a book coming out yeah, this spring. Yeah, I want to know all about mm-hmm. that. My foot is too big for the glass slipper. Yeah. <laughs> so tell us about that. Well, that that was sort of born out of, I was writing a blog for years called Death by Domestication. And the that sort of concept was obviously to have fun with the idea of sometimes how tough domestic living and cohabitation can be it's can be not very creative you know you're you sort of like um, we're washing the sheets again and um you know there you are again over there across from the table it's you again um could you tell your kids for the 50th time can you brush your 
teeth? Have you not figured that out? And just kind of that running conversation about well, what it is and how to have fun with it and, and kind of move through it. And also, um, so anyway, I got, I got approached by um, Simon and & Schuster, and, and they said, well, do you want to turn it into a book? So I had done a book in 97 with a, a very funny writer named Karen Carbo, and, and so she came to see me, and she goes, oh, your book's done based on all the blogs. She goes, I'll just help you, help you build out the chapters and stuff. And so the book is really kind of my... Uh, there's no finger wagging. It's just my observation and my experience in marriage, raising children, um, you know, the expectation of that. There's bits about exercise, uh, nutrition, um, you know, aging gracefully, sex, you know, kind of all of these things that, um, you know, you learn as you go. And, and I, I sort of think for a woman in her 40s, that's a, you can kind of have that conversation and, and have fun with it. But then also, hopefully, there was a, there's real takeaways. Um, one valuable lesson I learned, and, and you might actually exp- know this too, is... Um, She's pointing at me. I am. I'm, I'm <laughs> pointing at Rich because I have... I can be feeling all kinds of things, but it, you can't tell on my face. I'm a very, you know, kind of level, we joke, you know, I'm 70, moderate and sunny, and Laird's, you know, the weatherman, we call him. And I used to come home and drive home, and, and uh, he'd see me, and I'd think to myself, I'd see him, and I'd go, oh my God, there he is, I, I'm so happy to see him, I love him. It wouldn't register. And so by the time I got out of the car, he'd look at me, and he'd go, oh, how was your day? What's up? And mm-hmm. then it was, it was done, right? The, the, right. It, it started right there. I'm right. like, what do you mean? Because like, inside I'm thinking I'm... You already was, shot the bed I was at loving that you. I was, didn't you feel it? <laughs> so I, I wrote, in the book, talked about shiny eyes, which means like when I see my husband, when, pretty much unless something serious is going on, and I don't mean my kids acting like lunatics, I just mean like a heavy thing. I make sure I have really like an open face, shiny eyes. I'm happy to see him, even if it feels pushed. Because then what happens is he sees that, and when he sees me, he's like, hey, babe. You know, and then it's in the right cycle because mm-hmm. he's he is very transparent and very overtly loving, and I've had to work on showing um, th- those emotions. And so I I talked about how like a lot of women, a guy comes home from a long day of work or work period, and she's the kids, and she looks at him and she's like, ah, and it's that whole thing that um, you kind of have to learn that doesn't work, uh, not really. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. so well, anyway, that's just, you know, sort of an example. And I talk about fitness and having a lot of strong female, you know, sort of tribe members, because I think that's really healthy. I learned it through sports. Women, guys get it because they play together. Mm-hmm. Like boys go play, right? Mm-hmm. Girls, unless they're in sports, they don't get that opportunity so much, how to relate that way. Um, and also teaches you how to be in your male. I think the more women can be a balance between male and female and same with men. I think it's, it, it sort of suits us and not fight being women. I think now I see a generation of women who have, they're confused and the men are confused. They don't know what to do. Should I open the door? Should I not open the mm-hmm. door? Should right. I tell her she looks pretty? Should I not? Should I pay for dinner? Shouldn't I? And it's created a really weird space. Yeah. There's definitely disorientation. I think in both sexes, I mean, I can only speak to being a man, but yeah, it's like, do you want me to be the man or yeah. do you want me to be the sensitive guy? And like, where, where do you yeah. draw those lines? And I think it creates a lot of confusion. I want you to be both. <laughs> yeah, I know. See, <laughs> but when that's she great. Wants you yeah. To, I, at the same time, when, when, when I want she you needs to. you to. Right. Okay. Exactly. But I do, I think it's hard because you see that uh, the system has failed men miserably school systems and what have you. Absolutely. And, and on some level, women are thriving, but it, there's a harshness that's come to it. But they're actually... So anyway, so the book sort of is just that 
talk because I think people see me and I, I think I can have that conversation because I, I, I um, come from this kind of sports. So by saying, hey, listen, I, am, I serve my husband. I do. Like through, I think men understand a few languages, one being sex and another being food. Food. Correct. Mm-hmm. So that is their, their language of service. So I am happy to, <coughs> to serve him that way. Mm-hmm. And I'm not, I'm, I don't, I'm not, it's not because I have to. It's because I understand that he enjoys that, and that is, that's good for the situation. And a lot of women have neglected that side of themselves because they think it's a weakness. Yes. And um, so anyway, there's just all those kinds of conversations. But it's like subservient or something like yeah, that. Yeah, and in a way, instead of it, even like service, why has, is service as a community service? It's like punishment. Service through, personal, through your personal choice um, is a great thing, and should, I think it should just be part of living. Um, and, and being female and, and nurturing does not mean, I, the, the last bit of my book, I say be the queen. You know, princesses mm-hmm. is like for amateurs. Be the queen. You know, the queen will work harder than everybody. She's probably stronger than everybody. She's fair. She's just, you know, she'll listen. But yes, yeah, she'll cut your head off. Mm-hmm. And so there's no confusion because I'm willing to make dinner for you and serve you and never speak to you in a disrespectful tone doesn't mean I can't be strong. It's just mm-hmm. choosing. And I, right. I, I think sometimes the art of that is, is getting lost. Yeah, it's true. And I mean, also, I mean, the, you know, the women hold the, the pure mother frequency and the spirituality from the fire in the kitchen. I mean, that's actually where the spiritual teachings first came. Right. So, and, and it's the biggest blessing to serve people food. That's it's, right. it's the biggest blessing and offering you could make from your soul to another being is to serve them food. That's but what right. you're so what you're saying, but it's you say that, and then it kind of it can be misinterpreted as saying like a woman's place is in the kitchen. No, but I'm not. I mean, obviously, you know, you're stand, you're sitting here with two very powerful women. You know, yeah. <laughs> between Gabby and me, it's it's not that. It's um, it's a taking responsibility. It's a being the great mother. It's actually having the energy to say, I can hold this for others. Well, and it's and not I fair. Serve. It isn't fair. Like, I have, a, I have a good friend who's an acupuncturist on Maui, and he goes, of course women are more interesting. They suffer more. And I think what that means, though, is that a woman's role, no matter how you slice it up, even if she's a breadwinner as well, is more. There's more to it. And I think when women are like, it's not fair. I, I say my nine-year-old knows that fair is at the fairground. Like, mm-hmm. life isn't fair. What does that mean? And sometimes that's in our favor. But I think for a woman to understand, if you're going to take the role on of being a woman and decide even to have children, by the way, like Laird says, if I could give milk, I'd be worthy. Guess what? Just based on sheer nature and body parts, mm-hmm. you, you have a different load, period. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, so I sort of thought, well, why could, you know, let's address that and, and also be equipped, like, going into it. Don't be oh, he's going to come on the horse and save me. In essence, a really good female will save the male and hopefully produce an environment for the male to be the best male he can be. And I think if a woman wants a king, she has to treat him like that. I think that's also part of the communication is like, hey, if you, it's like a child, you know, if you say, uh, you know, you want them to do all these things, you have to treat them uh, like that. And, but part of the conversation, I stick up for men a great deal in my book because I love men. But also to men, it's like, but you have to show up. You know, like if my husband comes home, one thing I appreciate about him is he's present when we're speaking. 
and I don't need him to sit there, you know, all day. Like, do you want to spend a, you know, let's play quality time? I really don't. Actually, I don't want to. She just. We talked about that the other day, where Julie's like, I don't need you to go yeah. to like do run errands with me. No. I just or want like a good. The, I want a good date, or like I want yes. that quality. That quality you know. connection. That, that's the key. We don't have to hang out all day. Or, but what happens with women? The reason they're scratching for more is because when the guy's around, he's not present. Mm. He doesn't know how to. I sort of say hit a hair with the laser, like how are you? You look beautiful. I desire you. Do you want to talk to me about something that feels important to you? And then they can go. If mm. men understood that. It's a fast in and it, out. It, they'd be fine. And if they have a chick who needs more than that, then they need to evaluate that situation. <laughs> right. Cause that might be yeah. a hole you can never fill. Mm-hmm. So I, I can't right. help you with that. So I think it's understanding um, that mo- most women probably actually don't want to really hang around every second with their guy. But when he's around, if he can, sort of express those few things, um, then he can satisfy those needs. If she's always like, it's because she's, she's not getting what she wants. Um, and, I, and also, I have good friends that don't, aren't necessarily the, the biggest cooks in the world, and that's not what I meant. Um, I also mean it kind of figuratively, as in the service part of it. Um, but yeah, so the book sort of talks about that. Right. Interesting. And I love that, you know, the title really is a clever inversion of this Disney fairy tale. And, you know, our daughters, you know, watch those movies or it makes me crazy because it's sort of like the helpless female who literally is, especially in the older Disney movies where literally her life is on the line. Like she is going to die unless this prince rescues her. (laughs) And then when he does, everything is perfect and they get married and it's, and and the story's over happily ever after. And it's, it is a message that just enrages me. And I think is really like not, it's not a good message for young girls. It's been set up on purpose as well. So, you know, you just, you, all of those stories carry that thread. Oh yeah. Very, very strong. Well, and then the problem is you get into day-to-day life and then you're like, Oh, wait a second. Nobody ever talked to me about this stuff. Um, so it was just an, you know, kind of attempt to address some of, Mm-hmm. Those those things and and the expectation to women living through their children instead of understanding that how do you simultaneously stay self defined and be a good wife and be a good mother because otherwise guess what she's pissed she's fifty and she hasn't done that she gets spit out the man's continuing on with his life the children leave thanks a lot she's angry mm-hmm. and I think that's because um, she got forgotten. But the problem is, is the only one who can remember her is herself. Herself, exactly. And so I think that that is, you know, just sort of small things, large. Well, it's huge. Small. I mean, it's funny because we, we were on Big Island last year in December, and we were on the beach, um, and somebody had gifted us Laird's book. It's a lifestyle book, beautiful book with photographs. Oh, oh the force of nature. Yeah. Right, mm-hmm, right, right, right. Mm-hmm. And we were really enjoying it, and I was really feeling like I wanted more of you. <laughs> Yeah, but it was Laird's book. I know, but I was like, where's the chapter all on you? (laughs) So um, I was really happy to see that you wrote this book, and I think it's a perfect time, and I really feel like in 2013 we're really really coming into embodying the feminine as being 
honored as that frequency and not only just women but that that energy as you said within men yeah so as we return as we return our knowledge back to the support of the divine feminine um i think it's perfect timing for your book and I'll be excited to read it. Well, thank Sounds you. amazing. We were going to call it How Not to Impale Yourself on the White Picket Fence, but that didn't translate so well. Oh, yeah. I kind of like that I, title. Well, that's... <laughs> we made it a chapter instead. Because yeah. it's like, I'm just saying, you know, they go, no, 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 you know. Right. right. But um, no, it was, it was fun. And listen, people either really like it or, or they won't. But I thought if I'm going to do it, I'll, I'll say my, my truth. Because that's the other thing too, right, is, is saying, hey, listen, it's just, it's what has been my truth. And everyone getting their thing out of it. Well, that's but the that's, only way it's going to work. You yeah, know? And like you said, people way. are going to like it or they're, or they're not, but right. you're speaking your truth. And, and, you know, I experienced that when I was writing my book and I was like, I don't, you know, really, that's the only thing that, that those are the marching orders. Like it has to be authentic and it has to be coming from the heart and it has to be your truth instead of what's going to make me look good or what is the, you know, yeah. you, you can't, you're not, you're never going to write anything meaningful that way. No. Well, they yeah. say everything's the 30, 30, 30, right? No matter what you do in the life. Like, we're going to save the babies. Well, what about the babies in this country? No matter what you do, 30% of the people will love it, 30 will hate it, and 30 <laughs> won't care. Won't care. Mm-hmm. No matter what. So you might as well make yourself happy. Absolutely. Well, it's, that's the worst if people don't care. You know what I mean? Like, it's better to have people. Like, if you're, yeah. if you're taking a stand, then yeah. you're, you're going to ultimately divide people, right? right. There's going to be people that don't like what you're saying or whatever, threatened or disagree or what have you. But at least you're making a stand. That's right. Right? Yeah. And so how do you deal with the negative? Well, how do you deal with, like, negative criticism or blowback? And You know, a long, I think years ago, probably in my late 20s and 30s, it was hard, harder for me. Uh, again, as a girl, you're, you know, you're taught you want to make everybody happy. Um, and then you, I think you reach a place where you accept that you cannot. And so it's one of those things like you can't and you can't control it. So you might as well, I had a volleyball coach tell me I've got 12 people on the floor, probably eight play. So I look at the whole situation. I make the best decision I can for the situation. And in the end, she goes, you know, at least one person's happy. And she's like me. Mm-hmm. And I think... Uh, if I do the best I can and I'm, I'm trying um, to, to do that, I, I sort of, I'm okay with that. And I also have learned through the years of being in a job that's a little bit public at times um, that people are not going to like you for a number of reasons. And it may have nothing to do with you. You know, oh, you're... Your eyes are green or you're, you look like a girl that my husband left me for, whatever. It's like you learn that with all that good you're out of your mind if you don't think some negatives coming your way. Um, and you just say, okay. Mm-hmm. Accept it. It's tough. It's hard. Like it's wise. It, hur- you know, it hurts. You know, when my book came out, I, I was in the public <laughs> in a way that I've, I'm, you know, I'm not a seasoned, I'm not used to being in the, and I'm not like a, of course I'm not like a celebrity or anything like that. I'm just a guy who wrote a book, but, but it did put me in the kind of public spotlight in a way that I'd never been before and, and wasn't used to. And for the for the most part, it's like overwhelmingly great and positive. And so the the the, the work is, don't buy into that just as much as you you know. Like I go yeah. on Amazon, I see you know there's the reviews are great on the book for yeah. the most part, but then there's the, 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 the you, a couple one stars. You only people are like personally attacking me, yeah. you know. And I'm like, I wish I could tell you that that doesn't hurt, or yeah. I, or I don't get upset about yeah. that. But like I do, you know. They're talking about me as an in, as an individual, and yeah. so. But they're not. They're, it's through their filter, and 
it, it, you know what I mean? Like it doesn't, they don't know. See, the thing is, is that they came up and shook your hand and spent the week with you and then wrote something. I'd be like, well, you know, it's personal. Right. They don't even know you. And right. I, I went uh, recently. It's pouring saw, rain, sorry. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's pouring rain. And you now, can, you can hear it. I, re- <laughs> I recently saw Oprah Winfrey sp- sp- speak at something. A friend of mine is the editor in chief at her magazine. And anyway, uh, you know, you can imagine her, right. her realm, right? And she says, yeah, somebody wrote something on some about her network going down and her going down. And she goes, all I can say is come say it to my face. Right. And Laird calls it, you know, internet courage. He's like more eyeballs, less emails. And really, in the end, if, if you sort of say, hey, what affects us is what's happening here right now in front of us. And all of that actually has nothing to do with us. Mm-hmm. Even the good stuff. Mm-hmm. Right. It doesn't really influence. It doesn't influence your relationship with one another or with your children. No. And so it's also separating the thoughts with the reality and good and bad. Right. Like, oh, someone goes, wow, you wrote an amazing book or your songs are beautiful. That doesn't make you a better guy or a better parent or a better husband. Mm-hmm. Just like, oh, you suck and I don't believe anything you say doesn't affect that either. Right. So that's how I, I've learned to deal with it. And, and everything has a season. It passes. Mm-hmm. You know? Right. Yeah, that's wise. That's it's pretty true. wise. Absolutely. More eyeballs, less emails. <laughs> yeah, like that's that. weird. He, he's so right there with it. It's yeah. like, whoa, buddy. I can't, I have a hard time picturing Laird sitting in front of a computer, like responding to emails. Yeah, that's probably pretty good. That's why if <laughs> you go to Laird's site and Laird's Facebook, it's all me saying what Laird's doing. Right. And then once in a while, some knucklehead will say like, well, it'd be really nice to hear from Laird directly. And I'm like, well, then you'd have to come to where Laird is. Yeah. Well, that's, that's not, right. that's not who he is. That's that's that would not be. Yeah, exactly. Right. Like he's. You got to go where he, he's not going to make an appointment to go. Like, it's like, yeah. you know, he's going where the wind he, is blowing. He's him doing, to go. he's going. Exactly. That's why he's called the weatherman. What's it yeah. doing? <laughs> it's amazing. Very cool. Well, it's good. I want, I don't want to take up too much more of your time, but I do, I think we would be irresponsible and remiss to it. Not at least get it to sort of talk about one more thing, which is, you know, we're coming up on Christmas, the new year everybody's sort of, it's that time of year where everyone's taking inventory of what happened to them this past year and kind of laying grand plans for how to be better in the new year. And, you know, I sort of went on Twitter and I said, hey, you know, Gabby's coming on the show. Uh, You know, what would you like me to ask her? And of course, they're all like, well, you know, how do it's, it's, most of them are very general questions. Like, how do I, you know, what can I do to get fit? And, and, Mm -hmm. you know, I think, you know, people want, the solution you know they want to be spoon-fed this this is do exactly this and you will be better but if there's anything any kind of insight or or to get people kind of energetic and motivated Mm -hmm. for 2013 and kind of you know cleaning the slate and starting fresh well first of all what you just said right there cleaning the slate and starting fresh i think what keeps people is it becomes such a daunting such a daunting task like, oh, I have 30 pounds to lose or 50. That, that, is, that in itself prevents them really from the first day. Um, so I think if people think, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this, the number one thing that they can do, quite frankly, is very few of us are strong to take it on alone. Maybe you know people who could. Um, the reason you know, I have these workout classes is because you have to have people around to do it. So I would say for them to enlist somebody 
who's either in the same situation or can help them. Um, because the only way really is to have some accountability. Mm-hmm. Really, no matter who you are. I think most of us need accountability. Maybe you're through it where you can do it on your own. But your No, I think I, I definitely do. And I think that, that it's important for people to understand that that accountability is both, is, comes in both a positive and a negative form. Like you need to create community around that yes. goal that is supportive and Correct. wants you to succeed. But you also need that pressure like, oh, if I don't show up, oh. I'm going to get shit from my friend or, right. or whatever it is. And that kind of keeps you honest. Yes. And so I think if they're serious in the beginning, at least, especially where it's a kind of a, I call it the faith period where people are working really hard and eating better and making better choices, but they're not really seeing big changes. Because once you start seeing big changes, then you can roll. But there's sort of that window of time where you're making these lifestyle changes, but you're not really seeing great benefits and break, great changes that during that time, that they have this extra positive support like you're speaking of. But that I believe good health is like climbing a giant mountain. And it's, an, it's one step at a time. And I think if they take the whole goal on, if they say all 40 pounds all at once, uh, they're just going to sit down on the couch and, and grab a burger because right. they'll just go, oh my God, I can't do it. I think it's, it's, okay, today I'm going to eat this, this, and this. And I think in the beginning it's better to have a plan so you're not reacting when you're hungry, but that you've already decided what you're actually going to be putting in your mouth, in your system. I think that's helpful. You guys are disciplined enough and you have enough experience that you can go, it's lunch, I'm going to eat lunch. I think in the beginning, I think people not need to sort of really say, at breakfast, I'm going to eat this. At lunch, I'm going to eat that. And at dinner, I'm going to eat this. I think that's very helpful in the beginning. Um, and also, if you, if you blow it, that's okay. Right. You know? I think it's that Let's pressure right of trying on. to be perfect it's, is, is ta- yeah, and then, yeah. and then failing. We're, yeah. hum- we're human beings. We're That's fallible right. by nature. And, yes. you know, we're, we're, we're all failing, and some of us are failing downward, and some of us are failing upward. I mean, you talked about, you know, failing so many times in your life. Yeah. And that's just part of the journey. But if you, if you focus on that failure and, you know, sort of over put too much emphasis on that, it yeah. takes you out of that game completely. Out of it. And I think... The other, you know, thing that I always ask people when you, like you said, what's more important than dedicating time to your family and your, and, and, and your children and such. At the end of the day, when we take stock into every single thing that we own, the, the, the one, the most prized possession that we own, we live in. And we treat it so badly, generally. And, um, you know, we, Laird and I talk about this, you know who Paul Check is, right? Do you know Paul Check? Mm-hmm. He talks about, you know, like, Eat your car and, you know, he, he talks about people driving Mercedes through the drive-thru at McDonald's, right. you know, and he goes, how about get a cheaper car and eat better food? Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes we've gotten, we've shifted all around. And I think when someone's laying on a bed, they're ill, they're not saying, well, gosh, I wish at this moment I could get another car or a bigger house. They're just saying, I really wish I had my health mm-hmm. and I felt good. And I always say to people, why do you have to lose something in order to appreciate it and value it? And so um, that we're, we're, it's an asset. It's mm-hmm. such a valuable asset. And if we're 30 pounds overweight, we're still so valuable and our bodies are, are so important and, and should be treasured that every day when you look in the mirror, and even if it's not like, you know, exactly how you want it, that you love that and you love that body. And that, and that the body is unbelievably resilient. And it's, so it's never mm-hmm. too late. Never. Like, I mean, the way that I've been able to transform myself, I mean, literally, like if you start treating it right in a, in a period of weeks, yes. days sometimes, 
you will have dramatic, you know, a dramatic difference in how you feel about yourself. Yeah. And if you can set, kind of set the stage and understand that, that when you treat it right, it will respond in kind. I mean, it's a really powerful thing to experience. Yeah, well, I saw, I saw your old pictures. That's very impressive. <laughs> I did. And, you know, I think for women, I always say, like, this is where I try to manipulate them a little. And I just say, listen, if you won't do it for yourself, you are the living example for your house, mm-hmm. for your children. People say, oh, I, I inherited my, my, the family's genetics. I'm like, no, you inherited their lifestyle. Mm-hmm. You absolutely yeah. are not sentenced. That's the, so the easy way out that you hear all the time. Absolutely. It's genetic, it's genetic, it's yeah. genetic. No, you just yeah. inherited their lifestyle. You eat what they eat. And so I think for women, uh, you sort of want to go, hey, listen, by the way, you are also sentencing your children if you're not careful. Mm-hmm. That's, that's when I, I play dirty pool. Right. Yeah, that's getting nasty. It's kind of a scare tactic. Oh, yeah. No, Got to do it, good. though. Mm-hmm. Got to do it. No, but this really speaks to, and again, it's like, you know, um, all of us just having the awareness of really loving ourselves, but I don't mean that in just, you know, like a cliche way. I mean, really understanding that, you know, if I always feel like if you ever doubted the existence of something, some amazing force or some God or some for, you know, some kind of consciousness, all you have to do is study the human body. It's a complete miracle mm-hmm. in and of itself. I mean, complete, complete. So, if you take food and you start shifting your awareness of food of that I'm going to feed this machine of perfection, you know, this amazing creation that I'm, in, I'm inhabiting right now. And so food becomes not, well, I really feel like a double cheeseburger or right. I really feel like, you know, braised ribs or corned beef or whatever, you know, fried whatever. But it becomes... What, what will fuel my body so that it can operate and function at its optimum level? And, right. you know, so for me, it's not about counting calories ever. It was always about choices and vibration. And what am I taking into my body for, from that perspective? I always tell little kids, I go to schools and we do, you know, jump around and we go, okay, what's another part of good health besides, you know, eating good and they say okay exercise and I always remind them and the parents you got to have some fun okay you don't have to work out when you're 10 you just got to go play (laughs) and even when as a grown-up you have to find the way to play and Mm -hmm. capture that childhood spirit but with the kids I go okay so when you you know you go to the grocery store I mean the gas station with your grandparents or your parents they um they put Snickers in the in the gas tank right and they go no and I go okay oh oh, no no that's right that's right they put potato chips and they go, no. And, and, and they say, well, I go, what do, you, well, what do they put? And they said, the gas. And I go, oh, you'd never put the wrong gas in your car, right? But we certainly will do it mm-hmm. to our bodies, which is fascinating. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like we won't, we, you wouldn't walk, you know, with crap on your shoes in your house, mm-hmm. you know, or put Diet Coke in your gas tank. But, you know. You right. would put it. So I think sometimes it's just putting it in, in almost where you say to people, you, take that power. That is your power. Mm-hmm. Like, you make that choice. Right. You know, not like, oh, you should diet or you should eat this. But wow, don't you want to be in charge of that? Mm-hmm. So it always go, it goes back to self-respect and mm-hmm. healthy boundaries and, and yeah. really kind of yeah, having greater reverence for yourself. Yeah. That's right. right. That's right. That's the ultimate. There we go. That is. I think we did it. That's it, man. Yeah. That rocked. 
Thanks. <laughs> you were cool. Thank you so Thank much. You guys. Yeah, Thank you. It's such a such a pleasure well, to share you. this time together. Yeah, absolutely. So Gabby's book is called My Foot is Too Big for the Glass Slipper. It's not out until April, but can people pre order it now? Are they able um, to I think do they that? can start at the top of April, they can pre order. Because okay. uh, it comes out April right before Mother's Day, like the fifteenth or something. All right, cool. But I saw it up on Amazon, so if you, you can oh, go there and See, then you know. read a little bit about it. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, if people want to learn more about what you're doing and connect with you, what are the best places we, to do that? We have a few. We have, <laughs> I know you guys we got a whole bunch of ridiculous. websites. I didn't we know which one to say. Um, which is mo- mostly our kind of ec- movement, you know, exercise and, and stuff uh, site. And then I have GabrielleReese.com, which is my kind of just life one. It's There's no mm-hmm. sort of lots of content. It's, it's more of a life blogging. And then Laird's is uh, LairdHamilton.com. Right. And then Gabby's on Twitter at, at uh, Gabby Reese, R-E-E-C-E. And Laird is Laird Life, right? Yeah. Wow. You see, he's, yeah. he's techie. Yeah. <laughs> I'm on it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we know where you guys are. I know. Yeah. Cool. So thank you so yeah, much. Thank it was you. And really I hope a, you guys enjoy the rest of your stay. Yeah, for sure. Pleasure and an Thanks honor so to much. have you on the show. And uh, we'll be seeing you around Common Ground. You will? Yeah. Or hearing me. Very cool. <laughs> All right, cool. Absolutely. So uh, that's it for today's episode, you guys. Thanks for stopping by. Thanks for listening. We appreciate all the support. We've been having such a good time doing this podcast, and um, we'll continue to try to bring you great content. I've got some great guests lined up for the next couple of weeks, so we'll be coming at you with some good regularity. Um, if you want to find out more about what Julie and I are up to, you can go to our website, jilifestyle.com, J-A-I-lifestyle.com. We have some cool products up there, some nutritional supplement products. We have a vitamin B12 supplement that's coming out. I think we're, we're building out the webpage today for that, actually. So it should be up in the next couple of days. I'll make an announcement online. Um, you want to check out Julie and her music, go to srimatimusic.com, S-R-I-M-A-T-I music.com. You can listen to her album, download it. She's on iTunes too. Julie needs more Twitter followers. She's always dropping the crazy mad wisdom. So you got to follow her on Twitter. She's Jai Seed on Twitter, J-A-I-S-E-E-D. Um, so check her out. I'm at Rich Roll on Twitter. And I think that's it. Oh, my blog. This podcast and my blog, you can go to richroll.com. And uh, I don't know. That's it. Any that's other it. sites? Thanks so much for listening. No, we're out of here. All right, everybody. Thank you. See you next time. Peace. Plants. Yeah.